I just finished. I mean, it says you're it's just doing good. I mean, it should be right. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I mean, honestly, I really don't know that much that much about you, and but uh, also I appreciate you coming on to our show, and welcome to the Changing the Game Through Real Estate podcast. We're really happy to have you. All right. Well, thank you guys for having me. I um, don't know a ton about your page, but I do like you know your content. Super cool, and uh, you know, you know, since you guys started following me, I've been following you back and just uh, looking at your journey and yeah, seeing yeah. what's going on. So. So I, I, I knew you, I talked, me and you talked a little bit about like how your real estate journey, can you just tell people that don't know who you are or anything like that, like more about yourself? Yeah. So, uh, my name is Dwayne Jordan. Um, I own Yenum Holdings LLC. Um, we're a company based in, we're based out of New York and, uh, we operate in multiple States, um, where I also own RE. Um, I'm just an investor. Uh, besides that, I also, own my own construction company where I do my own in-house construction on my properties. And um, I, I own a lot of other little things or whatever, a lot of other businesses, but my main thing is uh, RE. So how did you kind of go about getting into it though? Cause like you were saying, like kind of like you started from like uh, low, uh, low income and just kind of like grinded your way through it. Can you just kind of explain like, like your more or less your beginning? Yeah. So a lot of times, uh, even I speak with my uh, with people who consult because I do a lot of consulting on um, mm-hmm. real estate. Is that you know a lot of it, almost all of it, has to come from budgeting, and you have to be able to live within your means and understanding yeah. finance. So you know the key to re success is always in financial. I'm sorry, is in uh you know in in literacy. Like if you don't understand. Yeah how finance works, how can you manage money or property? So once you understand that, I think the biggest thing for for me was um, just compounding the wealth that my properties were generating and redistributing those funds back into the RE market to keep purchasing over and over and over. I never went above my, you know, my income needs. I I always stayed the same. So no matter how, in other words, what I was saying is no matter how much I made, I still live my lifestyle. Like I was, making $50,000 a year at work every day. That's what I did. So how, so how did you go about getting the first one? Cause usually from my talking to people, usually the hardest thing is getting going, getting that very first deal and everything yeah, like that. How did you go about getting your very first deal? Like, what so that my first like? one was the, was my first property, which was my only property I ever used bank money on. Um, that I used a two or three K rehab and it was, um, it was a foreclosed property um, that I purchased from the bank. Um, it was a multifamily and um, I literally saved up and saved up and that was my down payment. And, you know, I paid that property off within like three years. It was a, that was, you know, I think the key to it oh, was wow. that having a good start, a good start is the key to a great finish. And I, I'm not going to say I knew what I was doing because I didn't know, I didn't know nothing about real estate. Let's be honest here. Like I literally stumbled into something good that in my mind made sense. Although, you know, I remember like this realtor that I was dealing with. It's a long story, but like uh, when I first, uh, we first pulled up to the property, I remember it was like dead of winter and she was like, I'm not getting out of the car. She's like, you can go look if you want. She's like, it doesn't seem safe over here. And I was like, no, I'm dead serious. So I went, I went through the property. So I came back. I'll never forget the property was listed for $20,000. She said, what do you want to offer? I was like, 65.5. And she goes, why would you pay like 40,000 over for this property? It's, it's not worth it. I was like, no, that's what I want. And she was like, well, fine. It's your money, whatever. And I did it. 65.5. So it was so funny. So the, um, 
the appraisal came back and it came back super low. And it was like that I had overpaid for the property. And the appraisal, the the man who did the appraisal, I was like, look, it's it's worth more. And he was like, what do you know? You don't know anything. He was like, I'm telling you, I've been doing this for, he goes, I'm not putting my name on it. So I'm not changing the appraisal. I was like, all right. So the bank made me come up with that 40K since I wanted to, I had to fill in that gap. So I said, all right, fine. I'll fill in that gap. So they were like, it's not going to appraise. It's not going to appraise. What ended up happening was the property was on the border and it was in a town. Um, the city at the time uh, that the property was, that they thought it was in, was very bad, like high, 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 high crime area. So the appraiser didn't even come out. He used street photos and said, oh, it's in the city. It's not worth anything. It's worth 20. When we finished and we closed, they did an appraisal after I did my FHA 203K rehab. Mind you, I was in it for 65.5 with a 20K rehab. The property came back at the time and appraised for over a quarter of a million. And I was like... No, I, you, I was like, I told you it was worth that. And that's how we started. And I remember my, my loan officer, he said, what does it feel like for you to just scratch a winning lotto ticket and just win? And I was yeah. like, I don't know. And that was my first property. <laughs> Pretty good. How, how long, what year was that? This was in uh, 2014. Uh, 2014. Okay. Yeah. Oh, what, now, what, what, made, what made you get into real estate? I mean, have you always had this interest in investing or what sparked your interest? No, I didn't. Um, I had a, a long career in law enforcement. Um, and uh, what ended up happening was I just always felt like, you know, I'm first generation entrepreneur and everybody in my family has always just been, you know, just workers, you know, and there's nothing really you could, you know, tell them. And I think like growing up, one of the hardest things I saw was like everybody was always at work, always at work, always at work. And I was like, wow, I wonder if the narrative had changed and it was like, hey, we needed more money. Let's create a another stream of income as opposed to yeah. somebody working overtime or getting a second job or a third job. So I didn't want to work myself like my family until I died. Like I just yeah. saw it like, you know, no, there's got to be an easier way. And I started with, like I said, this one and I, which now it has a term, they call it house hacking, whatever. Back then it was a house hacking. Yeah. Like, you know, all these guys now, like it blows my mind. Everybody's a guru. Everybody's like, Oh yeah. And the house hacking. And I'm like, bro, let me tell you something. You know what it was called for me? It was called common sense. I'm going to live in one side. I'm going to I'm gonna let them pay the mortgage and I'm going to go to work every single day and I'm going to put that money in my account and then buy another property. It's not called house hacking. It's called common yeah, it's sense. Yeah, it's called buying real estate and renting it out, right? Yeah, it's, it's called mm, one plus one equals two. That's what it's called. But whatever. So I, uh, I, took, I, I, um, I just, I, I did that with the first property and I was like, wow, when, you know, the average income, when you start doing the research, the average household is paying almost 80% of their salary for housing. Once you remove that from the pot of what you're working for, you can save money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and at the time, everybody used to make fun of me at work. I swear, like when these guys hear this podcast, they're going to die laughing. because I had this old Durango and it was all rusted out. And everybody used to be like, why don't you get a new truck? They're like, yo, you make enough money. I was like, nah, I got a plan, bro. I'm going to keep rocking this thing. Yeah, dream. I, yeah, I was, I was like, old Betsy was good to me, man. I used to come to work with tons of gravel and sheetrock hanging out the back. And hey, and then, yeah. I, you know, so long story yeah. short, we did, I did what I was supposed to do um, in the, in the RE. Uh, I started my company in 2013. I didn't use it until 2014. And 
uh, I've been retired now for three years. So it's been oh, uh, congratulations. Congrats. Yeah. Uh, awesome. So you had the first one, you snowballed that one, and did you start buying cash after that? Because you were yes. saying this. Yeah. So the first one was uh, the the tool three k. After that, everything you know, I'm a, I'm a cash buyer. Um, so I just moved forward, and at the time, it was great because the market was allowing me to purchase cash. I mean, you could go in literally and purchase something for like 30,000 and it needed the rehab, but it worked out great because to come up with 30 cash when you're collecting rent and you're working full-time and working overtime, that's not a lot of money. So now you're acquiring these properties. And then, you know, I was like, Hey, you know, get a Home Depot card, take out, you know, for my materials and then just start doing a lot of the work myself. And yeah, and they just snowballed. Then you get two on the road. You're like, okay, cool. Like we're gonna keep this up in three and four and five and six and seven, and eight. And nine and what? What? Where were you at when you were buying these properties? Were you? Where were you? Were you located? In New York. You, New York. In New York okay. York and yeah, and uh, in, in the Hudson Valley of New York. So, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Then, now the market is crazy here. Like those same. <laughs> it was so funny. Like I was buying, I was buying brownstones for like I think my cheapest brown, my cheapest brownstone. I think I brought in New York. I paid. 20 22,000 for it and yeah it's it's worth a few quarters now so <laughs> yeah when you say the hudson valley i i, I don't know new york that what's the hudson valley the hudson valley uh it's it's the hudson so what it is like you have the hudson river that runs up um new york and they call it like the valleys like in between like i guess quote unquote like upstate and new york city so we're about 45 minutes north of manhattan um you know, coming up. Oh, the so get people commute from. Where oh yeah, are. yeah. We actually have a train that goes right from here, right into Grand Central Station or Penn Station, wherever that is down down in the city. So uh, yeah, it's very it's commutable, uh, very much so. Like almost a, a lot of people that live here do work in the city and come up here every night. I think it's like an hour train ride or a little bit less, something like that. So the desirable area. Yeah, because it's like you can work down in chaos and then come home and have a little bit of calmness, you know. So it's like the best of both worlds and it's not a crazy commute. Um, and they, like I said, it's a train. So a lot of people do the park and ride. They just park and take the train down to the city. And once you're in the city, you don't need a car. Once you're down in Manhattan, like, you can't do nothing with it anyway. Yeah. So, so when you were starting uh, your business and everything, did you get a lot of like hate from like a lot of your peers and friends or anything like that? Because oh, you're doing man. something different than... This is the part of the podcast I've been waiting for. Let me get close to the microphone. I'm sorry. <laughs> It was so funny because I swear to you now, like I try to never bring it up, but I used to be at work and I would tell all the guys in my unit, I'd be like, yo, guys, you got to get on this. And they were like, you don't know what you're talking about. They'd be like, oh, you know, you're stupid. You're going to be here just like us. Oh, you're just a daydreamer. I was like, no, I'm telling you, I'm going to make this happen. I was like, I'm going to retire. Like, I remember this one guy told me, he was like, get comfortable, kid. You're going to be here a long time. And I was like, I was like, all right. And then sure enough, I saw him on my way out when I retired. I was like, you get comfortable. You're going to be here for a long time. I'm done. And it was like, it's great. But yeah, they all, a lot of people now, now they they call. They call. Like everybody's calling. How do you do it? How do you do it? That's the thing. Nobody, nobody believes you until you're successful, you know? And at the time, like there wasn't a doubt in my, a doubt in my mind. It wasn't that I'm... I come from anybody who's an investor or I knew anybody who was an investor. I just understood common sense and I understood that waterfront brownstones have to appreciate. Like I just knew that I didn't know if it was going to happen in my lifetime, but I knew that at some point it was going to be worth something. 
So yeah, any waterfront huh. property. Yeah. yeah, I think that's pretty cool though, because I mean, uh, a lot of people like I guess through the, your journey and everything, you always start with like a lot of hate, and they're like, "Oh, you can't do that," and then they start like t- uh, whispering and gossiping you behind their back, and then they start like, "Oh my goodness, this this person gonna be uh, be something," and they start gonna say like, "Oh yeah, I know him." Yeah, I, I, yeah. I so yeah, it's cool it's- to kind of hear it, see the see the journey. But what kind of made you uh, different? Because, I mean, there's no difference between all of us and all that stuff like that. So what made you, like, be successful and everything? Was it just, like, your mindset or? So I, I sit down, like, I'm really analytical with the way that I think. And I always try and think of, like, what are the common factors that make people successful versus people who aren't? And the only thing I can really come up with is my drive. I work seven days a week even now. If you look on my Instagram, you see like I work. And I work with my guys because I believe in setting example and you have to lead by example. I'm, I I'm, I work, like legit work, like in the field. And everybody's like, you can't work in your business and on your business. I'm like, yeah, you're an idiot. That's the same people to say house hacking. Like, come on, stop using these terms. Like, stop. Like, stop. You can do both. Like, and I'm living proof that you can do both. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> It has to rename everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, everybody lo- lo- like lo- loves like the genre. Like, you know, let me just change this word because then it's mine. Like, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it makes it makes sense. But <laughs> I branding. you have to work. Um, you have to have the ability to be a self starter. Number one. So if somebody's to tell you to get up at nine o'clock, it's already too late. You should have already. Done yeah. That. Um, and I feel that you have to almost to a certain extent, like be able to shut yourself down, shut the noise down around you and just have extreme focus. Like it's very hard, but the determination of me is just like, I come from like nothing, like, you know, so I, I know what it's like to be there. Like, I, I, I don't want to go back to that. So, and people are like, you still out here hustling, like it's your first property. And I'm like, I just, I, I love, I love the game and I, and I like winning, but I come yeah. from an era where, you know, in my age group, competition was a good thing nowadays it's like taboo but like i love playing sports i love competition and i like like i'm in competition with myself now i'm like what 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 did we do last year we brought six properties we need to get 12 this year for what it really serves no purpose but it's like fun it's fun at this point so So do you have something like kind of like almost bigger than yourself like your why like really what's the you it was your purpose to all this everything rather than like proving all your coworkers wrong. I don't care about proving people wrong. What, what, what drove you? Like, what was your, because they always talk about, like, successful people, they always have a drive to, like, purpose or something that's bigger than themselves or anything like that. Like, did you have something that kind of, like, really that you wanted to create? Because that's, that's what I was talking to a guy the other day, and he was talking about the biggest thing, difference between uh, su- not successful people and non-successful people is successful people want to be creators. They want to create things. They want to yeah. make make things and stuff like that. And they always have this purpose. So I was wondering if you like had like like what was like what was your goal when you started this? I know it was originally just not to be not to work and retire yeah. or anything like that. But you're you've already retired. So what's driving you now? Like I mean, so the legacy part about it is great. Um and I have a daughter so like that was always like part of it. It was like being able to leave it to my child. And the other thing is is like you know, I remember what it was like going on job interviews and trying to sell myself to someone. And I was like, my daughter will not even know what a job interview looks like. Like she didn't, she doesn't want to, like she isn't never asked to do any of that stuff. And I think that besides that, like really 
my my true why I think in myself because now it's like past that is just that I always say this I want to see what I'm capable of achieving in the time that God gives me like I don't want to be mundane and it's not a money thing it's just like hey we all have the same 24 if I can create 10 times more within the person sitting beside me in my 24 like that makes me happy that lets me know that like I'm operating on a higher level so I, I I'm just very competitive, even with myself. Like, I yeah, just I like got you. To do, I see, I see, I see your company uh, sports uh, sports shirt on. Oh, sports, yeah, uh, yeah. We, I, I, I wear my company all day, every day, every. I even have a. We've got a surfboard. We got Yenam surfboards. Go. We got everything. We got Yenam holding everything in this house. If you could look up here, it's, this is called Yenam Way. It's actually a street sign. Like, there you go. Yeah, I love. It. So, did you did you find a mentor? I know a lot of people say they find a mentor or wrote a book or anybody. I didn't. I, I didn't. I never read. I've never read Rich Rich Dad Poor Dad. I've never read any of these books. I've, I've, I've never read any of them. Um, the one thing that I I did do that I can tell people is true was truly helpful in the beginning because in 2013 and 2014 there was there was no Instagram gurus. This is yeah. this is something that popped up because you know people want to make money overnight. This is just like a you know someone to, to, it's a fad. Um, what it is is what happened was back then um, you were on your own, and it was either you knew somebody who did real estate or you figured it out. But there was a lot of blogs back then, and I remember every night I would go home and I would like Google like what's a two hundred three k rehab. And people would write like the one thing I really loved about it was people would write their transparent experiences. So they would say, oh, when you get to the table, you can buy points back. And I remember I got to the table and I was like, I want to buy a point. And they were like, who told you about that? And I was like, oh, I read it on Google. I was like, it was on the forums. And people like, because people would tell you, oh, don't do this and do that. And it was like very like that was one of the most helpful things that I could honestly tell any like anybody getting into real estate like go on the forums and read people's personal accounts of a situation that you're trying to do. They have nothing to lose. They're not getting any, any solicitation, any payments from any companies. They're, they're going to tell you, don't go with this bank. The, the, you know, the uh, underwriting is horrible. Don't do this. You know, go with this guy. Don't deal with these type of, you know, these type of people. Like, yeah. It's, you're you talking know. about the Google forms. It's like go on Google and look at forms. Yeah. Like you I used, I went on Google forms, but then there was a lot of like private, like just like bloggers that like real estate bloggers back then. I don't know if they still exist now. I'm quite sure There's they a lot would. Of I'm now. quite sure they would. But then again, you know, now. one of the issues, like I had, I spoke to, uh, I was talking to one of my friends today. Um, she's in finance and I was telling her too much information is just as bad as no information because yeah. you have a lot of people out here that have no real estate and yet are preaching to you on how to own real estate. And that's scary too, because you have people that are like putting people in bad situations and they don't know what they're talking about. So yeah, it's, you have to be able to vet it out, you know, and I tell people all the time, I'm like, oh, you know, if you hire a mentor, you hire an individual to do something for you, um, ask them to show you some deeds, tour some properties. If they don't own anything, you know, like, what are you, what are you doing? So yeah, I understand. Yeah. So I, so you started in like the Hudson Bay, like buying the house and everything. Cause I know now you do like international stuff. Like, so what made you go international and everything? Um, so my end goal is never to 
stay here forever. Uh, I like to wander around the earth. Um, I love traveling. Um, that's my, that's my, like my vice. Like I love going places all over the world and like meeting like locals, eating with locals, talking with them, seeing how they live and asking them. Like, like I just, I love that. Like, like just learning culture. And, um, I thought that, you know, it would be great to have a vacation home or a home where it's like half of the year I stay out there and we're starting, you know, we're building out there and uh, taking it from oh, there. So I got you. So you say like, oh, I really like this place. I'm going to go there. I uh, like buy a vacation rental or whatnot. And then uh, basically like set up your network out there. Just like so, places you'd like to be kind of thing. I mean, it'll definitely be an Airbnb that's still going to make money. Like, yeah, it's still a business, you know, but when I'm there, it'll be, it'll be mine, but. Rest of the year it'll be everybody else's. Right. <laughs> you know, gotcha. it's, it's all assets. There's no such thing. I, I I don't own no liabilities. I only assets. There you so. go. So was it hard doing that though? Because I feel like like everyone it's kind of safer here and everything like that. I don't even know how how would I go about like do buying something international or international bank accounts. I don't even know how any of that stuff works. It, Can you kind of explain is. like all that? Because I feel like it's kind of a lot. Just if you can it, simplify it, a lot to explain, but it's not a. First off, the U.S. is not safe. <laughs> Other countries are way safer than here. Believe me when I tell you. Um, that's number one. Number two, you know, out there, it's a lot different because, one, the developers there offer financing. And most of the developers will offer you financing, literally, if you're an accredited investor, at 0%. Jeez. As long as you're building... Um, from the like, like, so during the duration of construction, they'll give you financing because their mindset, which is it makes sense, is that there's technically no tangible asset as of yet. So they're giving you zero percent financing through them. Once the asset is complete, then you have to get a mortgage on it. But if you can pay it off before completion, then you never had to pay any interest because it was never actually truly an asset. And there you go. that uh works out great i mean because once you convert u.s dollars it's definitely feasible for americans to do it's uh very so what other countries do you invest in outside the united states so right now we're just focusing south america i haven't really moved much i want to like start going like venezuela and stuff like that but um you know you also have to look at current events that are happening you know i you know i'm very cautious about stuff like that and plus, um, I've just started, so I'm still testing water, still beta testing. You don't want to dump too much of your money into something, and it's like, oh shit, this is bad, and now I have to get my money back from another place. So you know, yeah, I'm just I'm testing the water with that. So I can't say that I'm an experienced investor out of the country, but I'm yet still an investor outside. It's just like it's that's kind of new to you, just like kind of how like you really familiar around here, yes. over, like overseas is kind of like new and you're just kind of figuring yeah. it all out. Okay. Yeah. I'm putting that and putting the pieces together and it's great. And being able to travel, you know, pretty much every other month out for business is fun. You know, you get to, you know, business and a little pleasure and it's, it's cool. It's, and you get to like, I learn so much every time I go there and uh, I meet more uh, creative people, more business minded people. And on top of that, the hustle is real outside of the U S like, Man, you know, because a lot of the developers in South America are European. Mm-hmm. So the designers come directly from Europe. And um, a lot of the the people that are like brokers and stuff like that are 
you know, indigenous. They're from the peep from from the land there, and they. I mean, but they all hustle as a as a conglomerate as a whole. Like they're they're just all trying to get the deals done, and like I respect the hustle. Like they operate on like such a high level. Like I'm like yes, yes. Like I like this. Like there's no standing still. There's no walking. Like we're running all day long. I like that. I like to run. There you That's, go. You know? so- uh, I guess from like everyone's trying to find like best invest uh, really good investments, everything. Do you feel like you get good, really good returns outside of the Un- United States? Or like, and like you were talking about Venezuela, you know how like you're talking about the, the, the um, real estate gurus are we talking about like, there's a formula for everything, like cash on cash return, return on investment, all that stuff. Um, do you feel like outside the United States, you've found like you get better deals, better I mean, return on your investment and stuff. Cause you're talking about how like, there's countries safer than the United States and for investing. So, you know, there's a, there's a, I mean, that, that formula would have to be a lot more extensive because you're also now dealing with currency exchange, exchange rates like that. You know, for me, it's different because not only do I plan on building, but I plan on like staying there part, partial parts of the year. If you were going to solely, you know, a lot of guys here turn and burn, they don't, you know, they use burn method and all this other stuff. So they, they're not into this for long term. I don't, I, I personally wouldn't like, first of construction takes too long out there for, for that to be a, a turn and burn. Cause you have to understand everything is built in concrete. There's no plywood, yeah. the two by fours and we're good to go. You know, everything is hurricane rated. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a lot different of an equation as opposed to sitting here saying, okay, well, you know, we're just going to reno this quick, you know, 1200 square foot house and put it back on the market in 45 days. That ain't happening out there. So I don't think that that market Technically, even uh, instead of everything out there is long term. When you're looking at things, they're looking at short term rentals. You're looking at long term rentals. You very rarely hear anything about a flip, like because you're looking at construction costs and construction costs. Period. Like it's not you know there's there's really there's there's no margins there. So I don't think that that's really real estate stays in families more. Yes. Like I know in Germany when we lived over there, definitely. They've been in the family for a hundred years, you know. Yeah. Just, yeah, so I, I believe that too. I mean, because you know, you gotta understand, like a lot outside of the US, a lot of people build homes for other reasons. Like they build homes just for their family. You see what I'm saying? Like it's not like, oh, and we want to put the pool in like they build a lot of homes out of necessity. So a lot of things are like, I mean, we look at home as like, all right, you know, this is a cool place. Like I've set this up really nice. They look at a home as like, this is shelter. This, this keeps us warm. This keeps us dry. So, you know, it's a lot of the mindset also, you know, that you have to look at. But I think that overall, um, the market there, it, it's more like in any place that's a, quote unquote, like a vacational type place, it would all be short term rental. It, there's really no flip. Once you're into it, you have to hold it like that's it. You're going to hold it or you're going to probably sell it for at cost. Now, the only thing that's different out there that I have noticed is that they, so here, you know, they call it capital gains. So like when we have capital gains tactic, that's bad. We don't like capital gains, right? Right. But over there, they use the terminology capital gains truly as the words. So like to gain capital. So when they start a project, they'll say, okay, um, this project is 125,000 U.S., It'll take two years to complete. At the end of the two years, with capital gains, this property will be 195. So at first, I was like, "What are you talking about?" And they're like, oh, "Yeah, because it's not like they're like capital gain." I'm like, "What? Like, what do I gotta do with the taxes?" Like, what we, and they're like, "No, no, no, no!" Like, it would have gained value. So that's what they're trying to say is that you know, from the time of construction to the time of completion, I mean, the property prices are growing 
you know, expeditiously. Like they're they're that like that's pretty huge from one twenty five, like one seventy five or one ninety. Like those those are pretty good numbers. But nonetheless, I mean, it's just that you have equity in a property. Um, you know, but everything out there is like different. Banking institutions are different because, you know, they don't they don't utilize FICO scores like we do. Um, it's just it's just it's just a different way of 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 moving out there. But um, and you said this is in South America. Yeah. Oh well, any place out like, even when I go to Jamaica, like they don't have they, there's no banking, there's no FICO. Like that's that's like a U.S. thing. Like that's not yeah. that's not a other place thing. Like other place, it's like you know, it's like okay, my dad banked at Citibank. So I have to bank at Citibank. Yeah. That's, see, that's how it goes. And then it's like, oh, you have a good job. Okay. You can afford this much money to pay for this car or you pay, pay for this house. That's it. Like, that's it. It's not like, oh, well, you know, did you pay? Were you late on your cable bill? Do you manage all your, all your properties yourself or do you have a property manager no. for all these? So, I feel like that'd be real difficult. In New York, I do. I manage them myself. Um, outside of New York, I don't. I have a uh, management. Okay. But, so you say you do have management outside of New York? Outside of New York, I do. Inside okay. of New York, um, inside of New York, I manage my own. Yeah, because I can imagine like overseas, that'd be really difficult. Oh no, you can't do that out there. Like that's crazy. No. Yeah, I feel like nah, they, they have they have it all set up. Like most of the buildings, when you build like the condos out there, um, they come. They call them autonomous builds. Um, they come with property management. Um, advertising, um, they come with everything in house. Like you don't do anything, but literally, like it just creates you money. Like if something breaks, you get it sent the email. They take care of it. That's like it's all done. It's just they're called autonomous builds. Like they just you don't do anything. You just pretty much. Are they like little compounds, like a little mini resort, kind of fenced off or something? No, or? they're they're all uh, like six to eight floor like um, buildings, oh, ocean, okay. oceanfront. Mm-hmm. So are these are these local builders, just like hey, no, nah, how do you get even hold of that? So the developers are from, like I said, the European, and they 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 take care of all of the local um, whatever labor, however they take care of it. And pretty much they have the design already set up. You just pick out whatever unit you want and they build it to spec. Not only do they build it to spec, but they actually have design and they furnish it and everything. You only thing, only thing you do is come inside and put sheets on the bed. It comes with a bed, dresser, TVs, refrigerators, like painted. It's done. You don't, you don't do anything. It's a real so passive. Actually, sell, they're selling BB. They're selling properties to be Airbnbs basically. Pre-made Airbnbs. So you just invented a term. <laughs> That's yeah. the next term. That's creative. I mean, That's it's, a, it's a great concept. If you ever like sit in on any of their, like um, when they're putting together like their prospectus, like first off, it's very well thought out. And you can almost tell every developer by their buildings, by like their marks, like every building almost looks identical, like from the street. Like it's super modern, contemporary, very like European and beautiful inside, like sharp lines, clean lines, very neutral colors. Um, it's beautiful. I mean, like anything that they have could be in Manhattan. It's uh, it's very well put together, but it's like it takes the guesswork out of it. So if you're like, oh, I want to have an Airbnb, but I don't know how to furnish. I'm not, you have to do nothing. Pay this guy, and when you're done, just go in there, go to Walmart, and grab some sheets. Yeah, that's it. All you have to do is pick out the sheets. I'm quite sure they'll probably pick them out for you if you said I have a problem picking out sheets. 
Okay, so like, how does someone like, let's say, for instance, like someone who has no experience and they like listen to this podcast and they want to get to do that, how would they even go about like finding the person in the area? Like, like they'd have to, uh, they'd have to go to yenumholdingsllc.com. Book <laughs> <laughs> my time. My consult thing is right there. It's a little button. Just press it, and that's how we do it. So, so what's your formula for buying in New York? So, you know, a lot of people come in and like, well, what's the percentage you use and blah, blah, blah. There's two things, two ways I go about it. Number one, I buy below market, period. I'm never going to pay market rate because um, the market, I, I can never be at something where if something goes down, I'm, I'm, I have a, I now have a liability, not an asset. And the other thing is I always look at ROI. That's all I really care about is ROI. And if the ROI, you know, typically the rule of thumb is five years. If it's within five years, then it's considered a good investment. Um, Would you explain ROI right quick, just in case someone doesn't know? So the return on investment. um, So whatever you've put into the property that you're supposed to be able to technically collect all of that within five years, that makes a good investment. So if you look at the rents on a property, you know, if you're getting 1,200 and 1,200, you times that by five years, you know, per month by five years. And if that is what your purchase price is, then technically it's considered a good investment. I pre-COVID, I used to do three years. So that lets you know that I purchased below market. Um, now that right rates of, you know, I mean, the property values have went up. I'm at like four years. I'm still never going to go to five years. If, they, if I'm at five years, I'd close, you know, I'd, I'd, um, so I'd you're more or less looking for like a 25% return. Basically, year over year, because then times four, that would be a hundred percent. Yeah, it's got to be around there, around the twenty-five percent mark. Are you are you still able to find that? Because I know, like right now, it's been like kind of crazy and everything like that. But yes, watch my watch my thing. I'm gonna uh, I'm actually. I just got the right before you you messaged me. I got an email, so I'll be closing this week on three more buildings. So, in New York. Yeah, yeah. In New York. Are you still doing Hudson, or are you? Yeah, all Hudson Valley. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just and- I just wander around. You know, so how do you, how do you go find uh, finding all these deals? Just networking, or so some of them are networking, and then the other thing uh, is one when I I mean I, I speak with with the owners, and, and and another thing that's gonna end up happening ultimately because of COVID, you're gonna have a lot of people who are in financial straits, and they're gonna be desperate. I mean, I mean, you got tenants, tenants not paying rent. Like, what can you do? You're gonna have to sell. I mean, that that's ultimately what's gonna happen. Uh, these properties, they're not like that, but um, ultimately, but the, the, this owner, he's tired of New York. He's ready to retire, and I, I get a lot of properties from landlords that are just tired. Because I mean, you have to understand that in this game, there's there's got to be an exit because this is a stressful business. Like you can't do this. You can't. I couldn't be 60 years old dealing with these phone calls and these politics. Like. It, yeah, you can't do it. You can't like you have to set yourself up for an exit because you know. I mean, at some point you have to say this is part of that exit plan. We're going to liquidate this, or we're going to you know do whatever how we're how we're going to pass this on or whatever. But it's you know. So I I, I do I buy a lot of buildings, but I want to say like ninety percent of the people I purchase buildings from are landlords that are retiring. Yeah. And you just reach out to them, like find out, like see a distressed and property in areas like, Hey, uh, just reach out to them. And is that how you kind of go about doing it? No. So a lot of people in the Hudson Valley, my company is very well known. A lot of people reach out to me, um, about properties. I also have a bunch of realtors that I deal with that let me know. I mean, I close quick. I'm a cash buyer. So 
<clears throat> they like it because, I mean, we can get to the closing table in five to seven days. Yeah. So um, if they bring me a deal, we can hurry up and close on it as long as it makes sense. So, you know, you got people that are, you know, I got motiv- motivated realtors. That's like the key to anybody doing any of this. Never deal with realtors that are like part-time realtors and people who like do real estate, you know, in between, you know, PTA meetings. Like, nah. Either you're in this or you're not in this. Like, we're not going to, we're either going to do it or we're not going to do it. So I want somebody who has the same drive as me. Like, yeah, we can make this money together, but like, you got to hustle just as much as I'm hustling. So yeah, I got you. Get yourself um, some realtors and you'll be fine. Yeah. Right now it's getting the people to hustle. Come on. You have an extra hundred thousand dollars in your pocket so we can overbid. <laughs> yeah. But you know, that's, that's a dangerous game. Because if that market corrects itself, which is going to correct itself, and then you have people that are upside down, that's when you start falling into a lot of issues where, like, you know, where people buy a car and the, the you know, the car salesman beats them in the head and they, they get them for all types of interest. And now all of a sudden they've overpaid for this vehicle. Now next year a model comes out and they change the body style on it and that car is worth 20000 under what you pay for. And they're like, I don't want this no more. And they just get up and walk away from it and they come and repo it. They're going to do the same thing with houses. Yeah. People are, are, are like, you know, because the ultimately what's going to end up happening is the guy across the street is going to come in next year and pay $150,000 less for the same house that you got across the street from him. You're going to be like, I don't want to pay. That's us. As people, we're just like, well, why should I pay $150,000 more for the same exact house? And that's when people just yeah. say, oh, I'm not going to Yeah, so, I was in 2008. I remember that, that those days. Oh, yeah. I, so I, I wasn't in it back then. <laughs> so if someone's trying to get started and listen to this, what would, what would be your best advice to for them to get started? So number one, definitely save your money, like save up as much as you can possibly um, save, like come to a, a bank or a realtor with literally decent money. Like you're not the, you know, I got $5,000 and buy a house. Like that's, that's not going to happen. Um, the other thing is to educate yourself on the different type of mortgages that they do offer. Cause you know, one thing that I learned is, you know, with my first deal is that every bank offers different items. So like the two or three K rehab, was offered by my bank, but a lot of banks don't offer two or three K rehabs. So ultimately you can get pre-approved with a bank and be cheating yourself just because you went to, Oh, this is the bank that I used for my savings account. So I went with them for a mortgage, but they could like offer absolutely none of the items that you could have gotten from another bank that you know had a lower interest. So, you know, a lot of people are saying to use mortgage brokers. I don't know anything about it. Like I said, I've only, you know, my, my one time um, yeah. using it, but I, I would, do my homework before I started. Like I would ask questions. I would like, you know, cause you have to understand like I, I as an individual, I would say, am I going to come in for a rehab or am I, do I want turnkey? If I want a rehab property, fine. I'm going to use a two or three K rehab. I'm going to use two or three K rehab conventional. I'm going to use a two or three K rehab FHA. Like, you know what I mean? Like, do I have enough money for a full down payment or do I need some assistance? So I'm like, like, you know, do your homework. And if you have the money consult, like, like that's one of the things I wish I would have had when I started out was consultants. Like I consult a lot now, but you know, it would have saved me so many thousands of dollars in error. If I would have had somebody just said, Hey bro, just go left instead of right. Like, 
you know, and now I consult with people in my other businesses. Like I pay for consultants because they help me streamline my other businesses. And people don't really understand that that's really how you streamline a business and get to the top fast. Like that's the, that's the express lane to success is consulting with people who are already like, you know, pioneers in that business that you're trying to, you know, excel in. Okay. So I guess uh, of all your experience, what is like the worst story that you've had in real estate? Because I can feel like you probably have a, a, a uh, tons of them. I, just want- I don't know. Um, Jesus. I mean, I've had tenants destroy apartments. I've had people not pay rent. I mean, these are all regular stuff though. Like when like <laughs> you think it's bad to you until you sit down in a room full of like old landlords and then you're like, oh my God, like, you know, like I'd be sick if that happened to me. So like, I, I kind of feel like my, my bads are like, um, blessings compared to some other people's best. Like, I don't even want to like say what's bad because right now I know there'll be like some old landlord listening to this and be like, you think that's bad, kid? Like, yeah, so yeah. I, I think it's like overall, let's put it like this, overall my bads and my goods, I'm appreciative for all of them because yeah. it really helped me like realize how to move the next time. And I think it's like a culmination of good and bad that have like literally put me on a track to now where I'm like, it's, it's just so repetition, so easy that I can just like, I can do it in my sleep. So, you know, I mean, you can't appreciate the good without the bad. So, yeah. Well, there's anything that you would tell yourself when you first got started that you wish you would have known? Uh, yeah. Don't put carpet in rental units. That was, that was my first unit. Yes. Yes. Don't, don't do that. Yes. <laughs> do not put carpet in rental units. That was why? What, what happened? Why, why did you... Uh... How did you learn that lesson? Well, so I remember my first unit, my first two other K, I was like, yeah. oh, I'm going to be downstairs. I was like, so I'm going to put carpet in the whole building, both units. I was like, and I'm going to go with the most luxurious carpet and heavy padding because when the people walk at night, I want their feet to feel comfortable. <laughs> right? <laughs> so anyway, six months later, I'm like, hey, they're like, oh, you know, we need to fix something or whatever. I'm like, all right, go outside. There's bubble gum on the carpet. I'm like, my beautiful carpet. Like, yeah. So anyway, that carpet had to go in the garbage. So long story short, don't put carpet in rental units. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what I learned. Ugh. So that was a, that was a complete waste, but it was uh, it was a learning experience. That was a good and a bad right there. So it looked yeah. really nice. The bad part was they destroyed it. The good part is I'll never do it again. So. <laughs> well, have you ever had something just hysterical happen to you? Like, I don't know, <clears throat> just I, I I had a dog eat. I had to take my shoes off the door, and their their Doberman ate my shoes. My sling back, brand new heels. <laughs> And she kept trying to put her shoes on me, but they were way too small for me. It's like, so has anything uh, hysterical ever happened to you? Man, my tenants are hilarious. I, I love my tenants. Like they're like, we, we have a great time. Like literally you get my tenants on the phone. Like I crack up, like my girl, like, I mean, it's, it's sometimes it's like not even funny, but like sometimes like bad stuff like we have. And I just like, bro, what's wrong with you? Like, what are you doing? Like, like, like what type of life, like what type of life do you live? Cause sometimes like, oh man, they, they're just, I remember one time this, this guy, I, 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 I was dating this girl, and I was, I was telling her what happened. I said, this tenant said that a guy came and stole his doghouse. And he's like, you have to do something about this. They stole my doghouse. And I'm like, so I'm telling her, and she's like, you got to stop lying. And I'm like, I'm not lying. I'm telling you, like, somebody stole this guy's doghouse. And she's like, all right. So one day she's upstate, and we're, like, uh, in the car. So I stopped by. And he's like, bro, did you ever, uh, did you get me a replacement doghouse or that? And I was like, I told you I'm not lying. She was like, holy wow. She was like, 
I I really thought you were making up all these stories about everything that was like happening. And I was like, no, like this is really my life. Like stuff like who steals a doghouse? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like you can't even make that up because like who who really steals a doghouse? So it's a uh, uh it's just interesting, like stuff that I think like on the day-to-day, like like when people call me up and they're like, uh, I broke the refrigerator in the stove, and I'm like, how? Like, how like how do you break a refrigerator? Like you put stuff in it and you just close the door. Like, how do you break it? But they break yeah. it. Like, these are things that, like, honestly, I've I've never replaced a refrigerator in my life. Like, I brought one, and when I move or whatever, it's still there. Like, I've never seen, like, the end life of a refrigerator. Like, I've, like, like you know, like, I've never seen the end life of a stove. Like, I've just... <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. So, Kim has some crazy uh, property management stories. She actually saw one of hers on the news one time, and the bomb squad was uh, busting down the house. That was probably that's one of the craziest ones I heard was one of hers. But, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was drinking wine at a bar. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's one of those calls you never want to get. Like you never want to get. Like you turn the news on. You yeah. never want to hear as a landlord turn the news on like that. You never want to hear. So, yeah. Ah, God bless you with that one, Jesus. I would have. I'm like I'm very high strung, like as is, and like I like like my, like my anxiety would have went through the roof. I'd have been like, "What's happening? Like I gotta get to the bottom." Like, nah, I, I couldn't deal with that. I couldn't deal with that. Yeah, it was crazy. So. so- so, so uh, I appreciate you coming on here and really telling us uh, a lot of your story and everything. I, I learned a lot. Um, but I guess your b- biggest advice would be like to for anyone starting out is just, hey, just know all your options and everything like that. And, My, yeah. Finding deals are the hardest part for especially people that are trying to go in. Because like you were t- talking about, like they, let's say they don't have that established network uh, like, like you did and they want to get into it and they don't want to buy above market, which is extremely tough. That that I feel like that's like very hard for a lot of people, and that's what I feel I hear a lot from new investors who are trying to get into it. Well, a lot of people that so the one thing I can honestly say is that you know, like I said, with the analytic and looking for what the common denominator is among successful people, people that will say to a realtor, "I need you to find me properties," and then just go home and sit down. Yes. No, it don't work like that. So the other thing is personality. If you, this is what I've learned. If you don't have any personality, you're never going to be successful solely because part of this, this business is you have to network. Yeah. You need to sit down. So like, if I want to buy in a certain area and I know nothing about it, I can literally go to a coffee shop and sit down. And talk to a stranger and be like, oh, you know, I'm looking to buy a house. Oh, my cousin's going to sell his house. He's tired of being like, Really? Say so I got a guy. This is this is it. Like, but you people don't understand that it's something as simple as a conversation. But in today's world, you know, nobody really converses with each other. Yeah. So when you go to these places, like I talk to strangers, I, I network, and I get a lot of deals from strangers. Like people, are like, oh, you know, my cousin, they're looking to downsize, and oh, my aunt is it? Yes, yes. Like, yeah. oh, give her my number, and just be fair with people. And that's another thing too that's being lost is just be honest and be fair with people. I asked them, what's your number? Well, we got to get this number. Cool. If it's a number that makes sense for me, I'm not, I'm not going to negotiate with you. That's fine. That's your number. I'll give it to you. Yeah. If it's a good number, you give it to people. People, everybody. Creating win-win scenarios. Yes. What do they say? You know, the only good deal is a deal when people, both parties walk away happy. 
that's it. And I always believe in that. So all my deals that I've ever like walked away from, I've never had another side of the table be upset on the deal. And because of that, I think that every deal has always been a good deal because I feel like you got what you wanted. I got what I wanted. We're good. I have no bad blood. No in business. No one can talk nothing on my name. Like I, I pride myself on conducting myself as a great businessman and, and, you know, setting the tone for my company. I'm very like big on my brand. Like, so when I deal with people, they're like, oh yeah, he means business. If I say, I'm going to, I'm going to pay you this way. I say, we're going to close on this date. We're going to close on this date. My attorneys know what to expect from me. Everybody who works with me knows what I expect. And I expect like a very high level of productivity and us making sure that not just I'm good, but the seller is good also, you know, that they're comfortable. You know, yeah, I think you have to be true to yourself. That part of it, you said about personality, you know, for many of us, when we're, we were, when, you know, like when I was young back in the days, you know, you, you're so afraid to be who you really are. Like I'm kind yeah. of, I'm from Texas. Sometimes I drop some cuss words and, you know, I, I you know, and when I finally just decided, Hey, yeah. it's me, you know, I think that so many people put on this salesman facade. Well, yeah, you'll forget who you are and people will fall in love with you for you because you can sense when someone's being fake. I don't care what you say. Like if somebody that's not them, that's not them. I'm the same way across the board. I mean, I'm not cursing because we're on this thing. But let me tell you, like day to day, that's from like my years of law enforcement. Like I just talk. Yeah. I just talk like that. But uh, now, like, I, you know, I'm, I'm very like. I feel like you have to be you unapologetically. Be true and just be honest and like, it'll be okay. Like the, the deals will work themselves out. You know, you just got to be honest. Like I remember there was a property I brought in Cleveland because my company, like I said, we're in multiple states in, 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 in the United States. And uh, so in Cleveland, I had a property and there was this building, this woman, um, she inherited from her father. He was an old landlord. He passed away and left her the building. And she had listed it herself on Zillow. So she called me, I called her up and I was like, hey, you know, I'm interested in your building. She was like, all right, but uh, I have an offer already on it. I was like, okay, well, did you sign the contract? She was like, oh no, the guy sent me the contract and told me to just sign the contract and then he sent it back. And I was like, I was like, all right, well, look, this is how I'm going to give it to you. I was like, I don't know you and you don't know me, but whether you sell your building to me or you don't, I'm telling you right now, don't do that. And she was like, well, why? And I sat on the phone with this woman for like two hours and I explained to her about what she needed as far as representation. I gave her my lawyer's numbers out there that she should use, um, you know, like because the guy was pretty much taking advantage of her. And when it was all said and done, she called me back the next day and she was like, well, what do you think is a fair number? So I, I ran the comps and then I sent her the comps. and I was like, this is a fair number for your property that I think. And she goes, all right, it's lower than what he said, but I'll take it because I trust you. Aw, see? And, and that's it. And that's the key is like you take your time and you be gener like you be genuine with people and not trying to get over on anybody, but people will respect the fact that they're not being taken advantage of sometimes more than money because people automatically assume that money is paramount. But to some people, principles and ethics is paramount. So you can't automatically assume that a dollar equals, you know what I mean, loyalty because some people... It's not about the money. It's about how you made them feel. So, you know, that's yeah. how I try and maintain. So if someone wanted to get connected with you and know more about you, where would they, where would they find you at? So uh, Instagram, definitely. Um, you know, Yenom is Y-E-N-O-M underscore Holdings. Underscore His shirt. Holdings. Yeah, my shirt. I'm surprised you didn't even ask what Yenom Holdings was. 
No, I did. What I, was I, Jim I, Holdings? Oh, you know what it is? Go ahead. What is it? Tell us. No, no, he said he knows what it is. Go ahead. Oh, I don't know. What it is. I just, I just remember I saw it from Instagram. That's what I was saying. Oh. I didn't know the me. I don't know the meaning behind it. Oh, Yenum is money backwards. Ah, oh. I, didn't, I didn't think about that. I got you. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that's pretty cool. So he so said that's real. So yeah, so it's Yenum. So yeah, they can reach me on Yenum Holdings, Yenum underscore Holdings underscore LLC on Instagram, or you know through the website, which is uh, Yenum Holdings LLC at gmail.com. I'm sorry, Yenum Holdings, uh, Yenum Holdings dot com, and then email is Yenum Holdings at gmail.com. Well, great. Right. That sounds awesome. Well, it was your, it's fun talking to you. Thank you guys so much for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> of course. It's, it, was a pl- it was a pleasure, and I'll definitely make sure uh, I follow along y- your journey. And I believe I think you're starting a podcast too, I think. Yeah, I just got my stuff today on my little fancy equipment. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm going to be like this guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this, you're, you're going to be good at it, the personality. Yeah. I think is why, that's why I watch some of them, the personality. Yeah. I, I, I want to just because, like, hey, you know, not just – not just real estate. I want to talk about all walks of life because I think yeah. like there's just so much more. And I know so many people of all different backgrounds. Like I want to bring them in just because I'm like, I want your point of view on everything. And I want everybody yeah. to understand it. And I just think it's like such a melting pot. And there's just so many different views that like, because I like to just sit down with people and just talk about stuff. Yeah. And honestly, like ours isn't even all about like real estate. The real estate's in the name of it, but like the name of it says like changing the game. Originally, I wanted it to be changing the world because my goal is to like help, like help guide people through finance and everything, bring like on amazing stories like you to kind of like truly like give people everything they possibly need to be successful and like build businesses along the way that like kind of helped bring people up. So I feel like my, my mission and my journey is like, how do I help people be successful? That's what I want to do. Well, inspiration that, is the key to success. Yeah. If people yeah. aren't inspired, they're not going to be successful. So yeah. you're, doing what you're doing what you need to do because you have to be able to see it in order to achieve it. So if they can see something, and especially someone or something that's relatable to them, then yeah. they'll definitely do it. So, and there's, yeah. so, there's so much negativity in the world and everything like that. And if you want the one thing more powerful than neg- uh, negativity is a powerful story. So that's what we're like, trying to do. How do you bring on powerful story that truly help inspire people to be better rather than us all? Uh, like, everyone just trying to bring each other down. Well, it's like like you said, like all your ne- your network success is a team sport. Yes. Like, us all doing it together, all helping each other. Imagine what the world would be if we all truly like helped each other be successful instead of like trying to drag this person down. We all try to lift each other up. So yeah. that's, that's what I we're love, all. I love the positive part because I know I will listen to Les Brown a lot, and his thing is okay. If you have a negative story, if you were beaten, whatever happened to you, rewrite it. Just yeah. rewrite it in a positive way, and never talk about it as in a negative. And I thought, what a great idea. Yeah. change the narrative and the other change thing the narrative. Is, yeah, just change the narrative about life but you know it's just you're going you're going to be good because there's there's people like the other thing that I, w- I was playing to everybody is one thing i've learned also about my my entire journey is that you're never going to get the support or advice that you need from your circle it's going to always come from strangers yeah strangers are going to be the most helpful people Ever. They're going to give you all the opportunities that you need and they're going to help put you in positions. But in order to get to those places, you have to speak to them and you have to network and you have to like you have to come out of your shell. If you're like an introverted person, you got to figure out how to get out. of it. <laughs> like there's no success on the other side of that yeah. conversation. The other side of having that coffee is success. And you, you really need to 
um, just broaden your horizons. So I tell I tell everybody, I'm like, like I, I'll meet people and they'll be like, you know, come and consult with me and they'll say, I want to be an investor. And I'm like, it's probably not going to work. And they're like, why? I'm like, you have no personality. Like, you need to, sorry. I feel like everything could be, every every <laughs> skill and everything like that could be taught and learned. Because like me, like me starting this podcast was super hard for me because I hate talking. Hate mm-hmm. talking so much. It's like, but... <laughs> my my mission and what i want to do about really help changing the world and i was like i have to like i have to like come out of my shell and talk more and everything like that if i really want to make a difference like i say i do so yeah you can't you can't be a, a silent uh change um changer right like you, yeah. you can't change things being quiet yeah. in the corner like you got to yeah. talk so and a lot yeah. of people who talk a lot shouldn't be talking a lot so <laughs> and it's like you kind of need to yeah. do do something so well, again, thank you for having me. I appreciate yeah, you. you. Nice meeting you. You too. Very nice meeting you guys. And uh, I'll keep following. I want to see some more stories and stuff. I like, I like, I like what you guys are doing over there. I appreciate it. Um, what, what's the? Did you figure out the name of the podcast? You're, uh, the podcast you're trying to name? I, I haven't, but I, I think I'm leaning towards uh, like um, 60 seconds of nothing where we talk about everything. Oh, that's cute. 60 hey. seconds of nothing. I like it. Yeah, there you go. seconds of nothing where we talk about everything. So yeah. that way it just opens it up and we just have a good time. I think it's more more like just the vibe. I just want everybody to be relaxed. We have a great time. And we're going to do actually some of the shooting and some of the stuff at my lounge because I, I own a lounge too. So there you go. That'd go be there. perfect. Yeah, we're going to go there. We can just hang out and talk. And I just want to, you know, I think when you're more comfortable in a comfortable environment, you, you know, we speak about things and I think, you know, but it's like without judgment and without bars, I just think we should just have a free conversation because I, I respect everyone's opinion, whether it's my opinion or it's not. I think that it's cool to be able, like, I know it's taboo now, but I, I think it's <laughs> cool to like, oh, that's your point of view. Hey, I respect it. Like, I, I don't got to yeah. like it, but I can respect it, you know? Yeah. So. I think that's the key to our future is learning how to talk, accept the fact that we're not all the same. Yes. And agree to listen to the heart of what the problem is, and then trying to see if you can resolve it that way. Because we're not getting anywhere the way we're doing. No, no, I because every, every, everybody, everybody is being selfish. Everyone is just looking for what they want. It's not asking the person beside you how 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 would what you want affect them. It's always yeah. about how it affects me. It's not about yeah. everyone else in the room, and and that's what's really important. Is, you know, everyone you, is all out, out for themselves. I guess I read this one book one time. It says like everyone's natural instinct is to be selfish and everything. I think it was like How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. He talks about like everyone's natural instinct is to be selfish. Like if I showed you a picture of like 20 people, uh, first person you're going to notice is yourself. Like it's like your natural instinct that everyone's no matter who they are, his natural instinct is yourself. But you almost got to like trick yourself to like almost – your goal is just to serve, like serve others, serve others, serve others. So at least that's what I try to tell myself every day. I got to sit through a bunch of group shots and see what I <laughs> see. Oh. Like to pick first real quick. But, <laughs> but all right, man, uh, I appreciate you having you on here. I'll definitely make sure to check out your podcast when it comes out. All right. Thank you. I'll send you a link when I finally get it up and running. <laughs> hey, maybe, right. maybe one day I, uh, if I'm up in uh, New York's where your lounge is at, right? Oh, yeah. But okay. if you're up in New York, just reach out to me. Trust I will. Me. We'll, oh, we'll go to lunch or something. Trust me. I'll take you some cool places. It's beautiful. It's right, beautiful here. It's beautiful. All right. All right Thank buddy. you. Bye. All right. Bye.